This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the This Week in Rays Baseball podcast. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, thanks very much for joining us on our latest podcast. Probably good timing to have one. Uh, We haven't spoken with you really since the winter meetings concluded. Um, And there has been a little bit of raised news and also some news at the major league level that I think is important to touch on. But let's begin with the news on on the raised front. We talked about it initially at the winter meetings that it looked like the raised were going to sign infielder Jeffrey Marte out of the Dominican Republic and that on um, Monday became official. So that said, certainly a good time to chat with a guy who knows the international market extremely well and covers it for MLB.com and has for quite a while. That's Jesse Sanchez. Jesse, thanks very much for joining us. Hey, Neil. Thank you so much for having me. Tell me your thoughts on the the signing of of Jeffrey Marte and and what it means to the Rays overall. Well, I think first, Jeffrey Marte, I'll tell you a little bit uh, about him. He was number three on our MLBpipeline.com's international prospect list going into the international signing period that started July 2nd. So a highly regarded guy. Um, you know, some people would make a case he could be the top guy. So he is someone who people have been following since, I mean, he's, he's still a young man. He's like 16 years mm-hmm. old. But he's someone people have been following for a few years and uh, watched his development. He was a big name in Latin America. He signed with the Twins for $3 million. And uh, due to a, a problem with the vision, um, I don't think he satisfied you know their concerns with the physical. So that contract was voided. So he ended up going on back on the market, which was a big deal. Which is uh, I'm not sure everyone talked about here in the United States because we talked more about Otani, uh, Shohei Otani, as far as international stories. We talked about when the Braves had to release, you know, 12 mm-hmm. players, 12 international players for their violations. So there's 12 Braves international guys went on the market. We talked a lot about that. And one story that was kind of um, overlooked during that whole time was Jeffrey Marte being on the market because, uh, you know, a highly regarded kid. And I think people were trying to figure out what was going on physical-wise. Um, it was my understanding, you know, teams immediately showed interest and they all wanted <laughs> they all wanted him to see their eye doctors. Um, the, Ray, the Rays landed him, and this this is a good sign for the Rays. I mean, he signed for around $820,000. I think there's an additional you know, 200000 available for him for a college scholarship type of thing. Um, you know, I guess financially, Marte, obviously, $3 million. I mean, $1 million is less than three, but the opportunity to go to an organization like the Rays, who have really shown over the past, you know, few years, and then I guess several years, how invested they are in the international market. Um, they're one of the clubs who, I'm not sure if everybody talks about them stateside, but in Latin America, 
Uh, you know, the Rays are a highly respected organization in Venezuela and Dominican and just all Central America, just across the globe. So um, I'm not surprised he ended up with an organization like the Rays because they do their homework, and uh, it's, a, it's just a good organization. And uh, it, it's a nice sign. I mean, you add Jeffrey Marte to Wander Franco, who was our number one. Um, you know, that's two of the top three guys from our international prospects list. And uh, they're young. They're 16 years old. And who knows what the future is going to hold for these young men. But they have the tools. They have the skill set. And the organization really feels like, uh, you know, they can be part of the future. And, uh, you know, if you're a race fan, you should be really happy. Jesse, I, I kind of look at this big picture, and you touched on some of it, that this is kind of a vital piece for the Rays going forward, that access to talent is a lot easier when either your high school or college draft or through the international market because it's harder to get those kids um, when, when you're talking about free agency when they've finally reached that point. So the Rays almost have to make a major investment, and they have the last several years in that area. They have. I have from a, the race perspective, and I think just from a baseball executive's perspective, uh, there are only a, a few ways to acquire talent, and not just big league talent. It's like talent that can fill up your systems, your minor league systems, and you know the hope is to get the next Miguel Cabrera or get the next star from Latin America. But you can only get talent through you know the draft, through trading, you know through the non-waiver trade deadline, um, and in, the international signing period is a big part of that. So I, I think the Rays, like a lot of clubs out there, recognize, you know, this is how we can get a big portion of our talent for our system. I, I talked to one GM, and he said, well, there's probably, I don't know, 25 or 30% of our guys, this is how we accumulate our guys through the international market. And you got to keep in mind, maybe Jeffrey Marte and Wander Franco and these other players, <laughs> they make it to the big leagues, you know, but maybe they are the key trading pieces to acquire another player. If you look, mm-hmm. almost all the major deals and that, that happen, there are these top international players are going across the board. I mean, the most recent example comes to mind is Marcelo Zuna with the Cardinals. Uh, they traded, the Marlins traded Marcel to uh, Card- the St. Louis. St. Louis sent back um, Magnuris, Sierra, and Sandy Alcantara, you know, and those are two guys they, the Cardinals signed, brought them through their academy, brought them through their minor league system, and made it to the big leagues by the time they're 22 years old. So all of a sudden, they're not just, you know, viable, you know, commodities that can help you at the big league level. They're potential trading chips. So those two, you know, those top two guys help bring Marcelo Zuna, you know, to St. Louis. So I'm not saying that's going to happen with Marte or any of these other guys. I'm just saying just these guys are so valuable. Either they can help your own organization or help you acquire talent in the future. And you look at the, the big picture in terms of the Rays' investment um, in Latin America. You've got guys like Alex Colome, who certainly has uh, evolved very well. But you also look at the top of their system. Their pitcher of the year was Yanni Chirinos. Their reliever of the year, Diego Castillo. And their player of the year, Jesus Sanchez. All three of them were international signs originally by the Rays. Right. And you've got to give them credit. I mean, international signing, international scouting is really difficult. I mean, scouting in general, whether it's domestic side, pro side, international. I mean, you've got to give those guys credit. They work really hard, and it's a difficult job. 
But me being familiar with the international side and, and being in Santo Domingo or Caracas or different parts of the world, and I see these uh, international scouts from the Rays and other organizations, basically they're eyeballing 15- and 16-year-old kids, and they're projecting, oh, they're going to be in the future. And, that, and that's such a – it's so hard to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you have so many guys that hit – you know, so many guys that actually, you know, fulfill that potential, that says a lot about that organization, how they evaluate, what they see. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just the physical side. There's the makeup. There's family. There's a whole, you know, big process when, you know, you want to sign a 16-year-old kid. There's a lot that goes into, a, you know, evaluating the situation. And the fact that you can look at the Rays, you know, top 20, top 30, top 50 list and see – tons of international talent in addition to the domestic talent. I mean, that speaks volumes about the kids. I mean, you got to give the kids credit for it. You know, they work their tails off from 14, 15 years old, try to get noticed, to get in good shape, and put themselves in a position to get signed. So you give those kids credit. But you also give organizations like the Rays who've been able to develop these players, and uh, hopefully these are going to be the stars of the future for the Rays. And, and if not, like I said before, these could be potential trading chips and kind of keep the system going. I think we knew a lot more about Wander Franco in large part because of the family background he has in Major League Baseball. What can you tell me about Marte and his story beyond obviously the physical, you know, the, 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 the voided physical, which obviously the Rays were comfortable enough with to sign him to a, a new deal? Well, Marte, he played, he's been playing, um, obviously baseball almost his entire life, right? Uh, but one thing by me about playing baseball, playing in games, what is happening in the Dominican Republic over the last maybe almost close to a decade now is uh, in addition to the normal routine scouting where they scout, you know, time them running the 60-yard, you know, run the uh, ground balls, outfield, uh, first to third, and that type, you know, batting practice, that type of stuff. Now they have these young men playing in baseball games. Um, how are, and, show, and then basically it shows evaluators, scouts, how these guys are going to respond to in-game situation. And, for, uh, and Marte has been somebody who's excelled at in-game. And I think part of, you know, there's the, obviously the uh, natural tools and, you know, his gen- genetics he's born with and it kind of is going to help him develop and grow. But I think a big part of his evaluation, I think a big part of why people like him is, how he plays in games with his instincts and knowing the game. And, uh, you know, I think something that we might take for granted sometimes, but the reality is these guys are playing in, in games now. Uh, Marte was someone who played in, uh, I think it was the Dominican Prospect League. I think he played in uh, Major League Baseball's International Prospect League showcases. And uh, he really wowed people with, you know, in the traditional showcase, and also in these games. So what you're going to see is a player who's you know familiar with the game. Obviously, they're still learning. They're still young. There's still you know a lot, a lot of development to go. But uh, not afraid of the spotlight. You know, when you're a 15-year-old kid and you're trying out in front of 30 teams, you know, you can't help but kind of grow through that. You can't help just develop through that. I mean, it's a it's a lot of pressure on a kid. And so these guys have been able to develop go through that. Um, Marte is someone who's excelled in games. And, you know, I would keep an eye on how he does and through his development just based on knowing that he's a gamer. 
one other thought on that: the fact that his contract was voided, do you by Minnesota? Do you think it leads him to maybe carry, in a good way, a bit of a chip on his shoulder to try and prove, okay, I was the guy they thought I was? You know, I think that's something we'll know as we uh, get to know him, as we talk more to him. And you know, I haven't actually had a chance to visit with him on how that impacts him. Um, one thing from my experience of these young players from Latin America. Um, it's hard to project our kind of American or prism or perspective on mm -hmm. them, you know, and I think that's what happens sometimes. I think um, my instinct, just my experience is going to be like, uh, he's going to say something like, well, that was yesterday. Does it motivate me? Uh, sure. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe not. You know, I still have to play. It's about the game. You know, it's not about, you know, finding a motivation or having an extra chip because uh, some of these players, they come from humble backgrounds, you know, with limited resources. So the motivation is family. The motivation is a uh, future. It's, um, I think on occasion, um, you know, there, there could be some personal feelings against teams that didn't sign a certain player or, you know, but I think for the most part, as 16-year-old kids, they're just kind of focusing on one day to the next. And, uh, being the best player they can be. Um, maybe maybe uh, after, after a couple of years we can revisit with him and ask him, did, you know, did the Twins thing, how did that impact, how, you know, how did it shape you? But I'm not sure we're to that point. You know, he just got a new team. Um, we're just, he's just going to, you know, new coaches, new development, I mean, new, you know, uh, instructors. And we'll see. I mean, it's an interesting topic, and I think it's definitely something to revisit but I'm just not sure, you know, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. And and look, you have a better understanding as to not only the you know being able to uh, the cultural aspect of this, which for us is is a little bit difficult to probably really gain a a, a foot on or or gain a handle on. I think so. I mean, I think uh, it's the unique. I mean, each culture is unique. I mean, uh, um, not to go too heavy into it, but I think sometimes. Uh, People are lumped into groups as players, uh, you know, thinking certain Latin American players are all the same when there's so many different countries and there's mm -hmm. so many different, uh, you know, levels of education and there's different levels of uh, resources that different players have. And uh, I think so I think the safest bet with Latin players, but not, not just Latin players, just every player, you know, you just kind of, you give everybody a fair shake, you give everybody a kind of, you kind of have an open mind and uh, some understanding that, you know, and understand the uniqueness of every situation. Um, maybe Marte comes is the guy who says uh, he has a chip on his shoulder, and that motivates him to be an all-star one day. Or maybe he's uh, – it doesn't impact him at all. Maybe it's just like, okay, now I have to get new gear, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's just so unique, and it's everything's so individual. I think as we go forward and his story develops, we're gonna, really going to find out who he is and – you know, I think that's with covering Latin America, covering international games. I think that's just one thing I try to keep in mind, and you know, hope others keep in mind is, uh, you know, just respect the individual path of each player, of each family, of each uh, you know organization, and, and there's not just this one group that everybody fits under. Well, great perspective to have, and we certainly appreciate you sharing um, your thoughts on on the signing of Jeffrey Marte, and we're excited to watch his progress in the race system. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. We certainly appreciate the time and the perspective of Jesse Sanchez of MLB.com. Now, we mentioned on the race front, other than the signing of Marte, it's been fairly quiet to this point. Uh, And, you know, there have been a lot of rumors about trades, but there haven't been many deals. In fact, there haven't been a whole lot of trades overall. Um, in fact, lately the big news was that Mitch Moreland re-signed with the Boston Red Sox, and I thought that was noteworthy from a race perspective for a couple of reasons. One, I think it, it keeps some balance in the lineup of Boston, but it also kind of set the bar in terms of some of the guys who are out there on the first base market and I think eventually it's going to benefit the Rays. I mean, to me, Moreland getting two years and $13 million wasn't exorbitant, and it also takes a big market team out of the mix. Um, so I think there's going to be not a huge market for the, the first baseman are, that are out there, um, and I think that the Rays are going to find someone falling to them, as was the case last year with Logan Morrison. Who that is that's going to fall, I think it's hard to predict because, look, I didn't expect that Moreland would return to Boston. Um, in fact, I thought he would be someone the Rays were in the hunt for. Whether it's Yonder Alonso or someone else, I definitely think there are going to be options for the Rays in terms of potential first baseman out there. Um, What we have seen is a very expensive market for relief pitching to this point in time. We've seen more multi-year deals than I probably would have anticipated. And I think each guy that is signed has probably been for a little higher number than I would have thought initially. So I'm kind of curious how that plays out. Are, are most of the teams that were anxious to sign relievers did so, and now you're going to see more guys signing one-year deals going forward? Is the expectation for the relievers that are still out there that they can get multi-year contracts? I still think someone's going to fall to the raise that you wouldn't have expected, and I think it will work out. Uh, and in terms of the trade market, things have been relatively quiet. Now, if they do start to get loud and something does happen with the Rays between now and uh, the holidays, we will have another podcast. You can continue to follow uh, me on Twitter at Neil Solons, our blog, RaysRadio.moblogs.com. We'll have uh, a blog on the international signing of uh, Mr. Marte as well. But otherwise, we want you to just sit back, enjoy the holidays, and we'll definitely talk to you soon. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 